BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Brian Scott Rippey, Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger coming up in just a little bit. Before we get to it, Wanted to remind you, Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Allen Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It 
This is Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. We both write for the Oldman Spirit, OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest is Nick Suss from the Jackson Clarion Ledger, just to talk about all the college football topics that are going on right now, the stuff you're most interested in, some old Miss news today, but one thing that we don't have that we thought we would when we sat down to record and we delayed as long as possible, the SEC schedule, Ole Miss's schedule in particular. Don't have it, Rippy. I thought we would have had this by Wednesday at the latest and probably Tuesday. I wonder... What is the point? So, like, obviously, a lot of the times the SEC loves to, any conference really loves to do the old Friday news dump uh, because, like, Friday afternoon seemed to really be the only time that stuff works anymore. But why would you want to news dump your schedule? Not saying they're going to do that, but you would think it'd be here by now. Do you think that's the plan? I honestly don't know. I don't know why the schedule isn't out now. I thought us delaying till Thursday afternoon, mid afternoon, we would know. Um, unless it comes out Friday morning. Yeah, it's going to be a Friday news dump, and I don't understand why they would news dump their schedule. But maybe it doesn't matter for the SEC. Does it really matter? Because you're still going to generate the same amount of headlines. The only thing that's going to kind of take away from it is if there's an intriguing matchup or two that would otherwise draw national attention. If that doesn't happen, then basically all the news is going to be regional news. So does it really matter? Other than inconveniencing you and I, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't matter. No, that's 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 very clear from the way everything's run. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. outside of that, no, it does not does not matter. Uh, does not really matter matter at all. But I mean, I don't think Ole Miss opens the season with Auburn. I think it's someone else. Interesting to see where the Egg Bowl is, as we've kind of discussed before. But uh, outside of that, man, what a tough draw for Ole Miss, though, right? You get no spring ball. You don't really have any clarity at the quarterback position. You got an entire new coaching staff, and oh, by the way, you don't have any tune-up games to kick the shit out of you know. Southeast Missouri State or whatever. It's just right into a 10-game slate. That's uh, that's not, not ideal. That's not ideal, but everybody's kind of in the same boat here. And good for Ole Miss that offensively, while, yes, we do have questions about John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral, they've played in games. And John Rice Plumley, just think back at that LSU game. Yeah, Ole Miss couldn't stop LSU, but who could? John Rice Plumley was doing some damage. That's really when he made a national name for himself, I think. Yeah, you got the same 10-game slate as everybody else, but you still got some veteran experience on the offensive line, wide receiver with Elijah Moore, Jonathan Mingo if you want to throw him and Dennis Jackson in there, and John Rice or Matt Corral, either one of them that starts, they've played in games. This isn't going to be new for them. And then Jerry Ealy is going to be a superstar. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a tough draw, but for lack of a better term, fortunate for Ole Miss because it didn't get the spring due to COVID-19 with the first-year staff, with all the issues that have come with that, you do get an extra month of practices. They needed that extra month, which they otherwise wouldn't have gotten because they lost the spring. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be much uniformity on that front either because the Big Ten released their schedule and they're going to start going business as usual on you know this, the day the season's supposed to open. And Southern Miss just released a 12-game schedule that starts on September 3rd. Yeah, good luck with that. That's what I don't get. If you're not allowed to start practicing until August 17th, is it really feasible to play a game three weeks, two and a half weeks like after that? That's what I don't understand. Big Ten and a couple other conferences are kind of on that train, while the SEC, ACC, and I believe Pac-12 are all starting the week of September 26th, if I have that right. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. I haven't looked at it. But here's the thing with Southern Miss. Who's making that decision? Is it Southern Miss 
is that in conjunction with its conference? I think that's a Conference USA thing. Well, Conference USA, that seems short-sighted. That just seems like you're setting yourself up. Maybe they're just kicking the can down the road because they can. Does it really matter if Conference USA decides um, whether or not to go to a shortened season in mid-August? I mean, the SEC has to make those decisions because the amount of fans and the stands and all that stuff really matters for the SEC. Does it really matter for Conference USA? Probably not. So why do you have to make the decision now? Very true. Uh, Southern Miss does visit uh, Reverend Hugh on October 24th. They go to Liberty. Oh, great. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think it really matters. I don't think you have to make the decision now. But it is just interesting to see teams going ahead, even with the amended NCAA guidelines – or not guidelines – practice schedule that allows you to start practicing, like, full-on football preseason camp August 17th to then want to play a game, like, 16 days later. That seems pretty wild, but, hey, I'm here for it. Let's see what happens. Let's get weird. Speaking about us not mattering, shout-out Kyle Campbell. No practice availability, pretty much nothing. We're going to get to talk to a couple of players, maybe Lane Kiffin every single week. I don't even know what practice coverage is going to look like, so... If you're somebody that's been tuned in, hey, man, we're going to get creative. We're going to give you everything we can, and we're going to give you as much behind-the-scenes stuff as we got. But if you're relying on, as a media person, just what Ole Miss is trying to give you, uh, yeah, you're going to be in some trouble. And that's why we as the Spirit, we're going to we're going to go about things a little bit differently. And that doesn't matter. I get that. Like, media stuff doesn't matter. No one here wants to hear us complain. We're not complaining. I'm just saying that the way you used to look at things, and it's not just the games. It's not just the typical football stuff. The coverage aspect, too, it's all going to change. It's all already changed, but it's going to be changed even more. Uh, and I think it's not just because of a response to COVID-19. Because some schools have been a little bit more open because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And they've wanted to give a little bit more access as they can, as far as availability to players and stuff like that. Almost baseball has been great in that respect. But I don't know about almost football. It's a little bit different. So we'll see how that works out, too. It's going to be the most bizarre fall we've ever covered and maybe we'll ever cover because one way or the other whether it returns back to the way it was I don't think that's happening at all or it changes completely what we're going through right now will never happen again as long as we're alive it'll never happen again and this will be the turning point this will be the moment that we all look back on years down the line and say golly you remember when football used to be like this then the pandemic hit what comes out of this at the end of this is going to be the story. It's going to be the new normal. Adds a little bit of mystery to this whole thing. Like what happens with the SEC when it plays, when it actually plays. We can talk about the 10-game schedule and what it looks like and all that kind of stuff. We don't have it yet. But even when it comes out, even if they play, if it matters, if they get to go to a bowl game, if they get, quote, bowl eligible, if that's 5-5, five and five, if that's 4-6, and six, does it matter? What does it mean to you as an Ole Miss fan looking back? Did you get to go to any games? Were you granted one of those general admission tickets? As media members, what does our industry look like this time next year? If you're not in it right now and you're majoring in it in college, man, I hope you got a backup plan. Two points there. One, shut your filthy mouth. Please do not jink this. You, you seem very confident this is not going to happen again. If this happens again, I'm just not going to really know what to do with myself other than drive to wherever you are and come find you. But yes, I agree. It is going to be fascinating to kind of watch what the what, what, what is different about things after this? From a media perspective, it does seem like things generally, I know you mentioned some places are more open. It does seem generally like it's trending towards more closed off. 
because you're seeing at the professional levels locker room access not being a thing. Will they get that back? How much will they get that? Because that's a big part of covering a professional sports team is being in the locker room. Players hate it. Don't really know what respective league stances are on it. But that's going to be fascinating to watch. But yeah, then this is none of this is ever going to be quote unquote the same again. There's definitely going to be a dividing line, uh, kind of in our sports lives, uh, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. That said, uh, hopefully there's not a second line to where there's a uh, pandemic too. We don't really need a sequel of this. Well, first of all, if there is a second pandemic in our lifetimes, because this is a generational pandemic, I would hope that you would come find me and put me out of my misery. I would welcome that. <laughs> well, I would do so while blaming you for its occurrence. Yeah, and I would open the door with a smile, because I know finally I can go to my place of rest. Just open the door and tell you it's time to go home? Yeah, yeah. You know, Ben, today's the day. I told you this day was coming. But what is different? Like, what, what, what? You you would be my John Wick. If you had to pick two different, two things, though, that just stand out off the top of your head about what's going to be different about, let's just keep it at college football. Like, in your mind, if you had to make two predictions, what's going to be changed and how? Like, can you think of two? I think one is the amount of conference games. Do they ever go back to eight uh, if this works? Seems doubtful, uh, at least on the surface. But uh, has you got anything else off the top of your head that like you think is going to change and not go back to normal ever? Yeah, two things. First and foremost, the wheels are in motion for the Power Five to remove itself from the NCAA. And the second thing is player power. And I think we're entering a new era of college football where players have more say and will continue to have more say than they ever have before. That ain't stopping. I would agree with that. Is there anything logistical about a game day or something like that, whether it's just like coverage-wise that you can think of? The school you're covering, and I can only speak for Ole Miss, Ole Miss treats its media as if we're competing with them, with the school itself. And when you start having to compete with the school you're covering for coverage, they're always going to have a built-in advantage, but you have one thing that they don't. You don't have to adhere to any PR guidelines. They're trying to paint the rosiest picture possible. So for you, you can report whatever you need to report. Maybe, maybe you're in a position to where you don't get to know a particular staff. Maybe a new staff comes in and you just decide, you know what, because of lack of availability, I'm going to keep them at arm's length because a lot of what's going to drive coverage is, tell me what's happening. I am paying you to be an Ole Miss expert. I am paying you if you're covering LSU to be an LSU expert. I'm paying you, you pick the school. You get what I'm saying? If there's that disconnect with the school you're covering, well, now I can be completely unbridled as far as what my analysis of this program is and what's going on. You don't just need to talk to coaches and players to have sourcing. If that's been your case the entire time, well, you're kind of screwed. If you're one of those people that have been able to build sourcing that survives outside of that, well, you're still going to be able to tell the full tale, but you don't have to feel restricted at all. You can just come out with it, and you can just tell everybody what's exactly happening. And for you, that person, it's freeing. Say whatever you want to say. I always try to be completely honest, and it's got me in trouble a lot. It got me a lot of angry calls from Ole Miss administrators, coaches. I tell the story all the time. I was driving to Nashville after um, Ole Miss got beat really bad at Florida. It's the year that Ole Miss was really good. I was going to a funeral for an infant. Yeah, this took a dark turn. The night before, I'm watching the Ole Miss game. I was supposed to go to Gainesville that weekend. Obviously didn't. I'm going to Nashville. The night before, I was mourning, sad for my friend, and also, sports are stupid. 
I got drunk, and that's back when I cared about Twitter. So I was tweeting, live tweeting the game, completely free to do whatever I wanted to do because I didn't have any coverage responsibilities because I was doing this. And I said some stuff, and the next morning I'm driving to Nashville, I get a call, Hugh Freeze is not going to talk to you anymore. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And I just hung up the phone and called Hugh, and man, that conversation was great. What were your core values? That was always what he tried to say. And that's a whole different, more problematic conversation once you think about how Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze ended. But anyway. Speaking of, just at uh, your initial point of trying to paint the rosiest picture possible, as someone who worked as the in-house reporter for the athletic department in the summer and fall of 2017, I can confirm that is the case and not always the easiest job to do. The problem is there aren't going to be a lot of opportunities in this industry moving forward. If you're not entrenched, it's going to be hard. And fortunate for us, the Ole Miss spirit, our community has been awesome. They've stuck with us. They've hung in there. Ole Miss fans are passionate. All they are hungry for is a winner, and they really care about their program. So we've been fortunate. But for a lot of people, they're not so fortunate, and they won't be so fortunate. And I really feel bad for the students and the next wave of not just our industry, but industries across the country, really, because they're going to be robbed of opportunities because of this. They're getting shafted. Just like the uh, recruiting class right now, the 2021 football recruiting class, they're being shafted because of this. It's not their fault. It's not really the fault of the schools either. Product of the generational pandemic. No one has apparently figured out any way to deal with this competently. But everybody's getting shafted. And I feel bad for those kids. So right now, if you're a kid and you're listening to this podcast, I know you're out there because you've texted me or DM'd me or whatever, asking for advice. Hey, Ben, how, how do you get into this business, man? What would you say? Get out now. Go start an essential business. We don't even know if the postal service is going to survive. Go open a UPS store. Because this is a hard business first to get into and then to establish yourself in. When I started back in 2008, I came back from making 1200 bucks a month working for the Sunbelt Conference, which I hated. I hated that job. I was going to be in media relations. I was going to be like Ole Miss Media Relations staff Kyle Campbell shout out. I was going to be one of those people. And Kyle was instrumental in helping me get a job. Hated that job. Then Chuck, well, Jeff Robertson, because that's who I had the relationship with, reached out to me after Chase jumped from the Ole Miss Spirit to go start his own site with the ESPN, which he'll tell you to this day wasn't the best move. I got that job, making $1,200 a month. And I thought that this was just a temporary stop on my way to something else. But Chuck valued what I did, and now I've built a life for myself. But that is not what happens very much anymore. You've dealt with it. You've seen how the business is now. 100%. I mean, I don't really have any good advice to offer. I would just offer to hustle your ass off right to whoever, right for whoever affords you the opportunity. And honestly, if you can, the way the whole this whole thing is broken, if you can find a way to be your own boss and establish something original, that seems to be the way to go. But that's hard to do without some sort of an entrenched audience. Exactly. That's yeah. the only non-broken portion of this industry, uh, I would I would say, at least at this point. That and subscriber sites like you, you guys, that one seems to be the most stable models there are left out there. You're one of us. You don't have to say you guys anymore. You're one of us. <laughs> takes takes a while. Oh, um, but you're right. You're right. See, you're seeing that subscription model try to be built by other places. Like, I don't want to get into other places. I could get in some trouble there. But it's not working. Or they're making drastic cuts. 247... We're rolling. Rivals, still rolling. Those are two subscription-based models, though, that are well-established. These are the places that 
the college football fan goes to because they know exactly what they're getting. And what is that built on? Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. We still offer a service that nobody else offers. So as long as that is still there, the Ole Miss Spirit, Rebel Grove, will always be alive. But if you're trying to dip into that, good luck. <laughs> good luck. And if you're one of those sites out there that's popped up, and you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of Ole Miss sites like this out there. And you're trying to stay relevant with access that's about to be completely cut off to you pretty much. And you don't have the fallback of just being able to write whatever you want to write because you don't really need them. You don't need them. And I'm talking about Ole Miss coaches and players and the media relations staff. I have a great relationship with Keith Carter. If I need to call Keith Carter and get him on this podcast or ask him about something, he always responds. I have the same relationship with Ross Bjork. But that takes time. If you don't have that and you rely on Ole Miss media relations or whoever to set stuff up for you and you don't have the fallback of recruiting, you're going to be in trouble. Some news, though, as we record this, the spirit, according to David Johnson at Rebels247, has confirmed that two Ole Miss football players have been granted medical exemptions, effectively ending their playing careers, while a fifth-year senior has decided to retire from the game after earning his bachelor's degree. The two players granted medical exemptions, junior tight end Alex Faniel, redshirt freshman offensive tackle Darius Thomas. I would get asked the question all the time, what about Darius Thomas? I said, I don't think we'll ever play a down at Ole Miss. And now it's been confirmed. He'll stay on scholarship, as will Faniel, but they will no longer be football players. They can be around the program, I think, but they will no longer be relied on to play football. Um, and the last one, retiring. Fifth-year senior offensive lineman Chandler Tewitt, expected to be a reserve this season, according to DJ, has opted to retire from football after having already graduated. I guess I kind of get it. You have your degree. Do you really want to put your body through this for this kind of souped-up, like halfway legitimate version of whatever this last – like this is not what he envisioned his last ride going to be, so why not just call it a career? Certainly understand that viewpoint. Uh, Darius Thomas – yeah, just top one from the start. Like, Matt Luke was always so super positive about him possibly coming back at some point, but you could kind of read the writing on the wall there. And then Alex Faneuil, I, I don't know. I mean, you talk about a guy you want to get off the bus first. Holy cow. That dude looks like a football player. Um, but, you know, not a lot of experience at tight end, so I guess that's something, not nothing. Alex Faneuil, if they ever do get to get back on campus, I'm talking about the students at Ole Miss, will be the number one draft pick at the Turner Center to be an intramural center, because the dude's like 6'7". Hey, if you're looking for a ringer, Alex Fanio has hit the open market. He is a free agent. There's your center. I'm just giving you some free advice. But Chandler it. I get it. You're not going to be a starter. You're not all that much of a priority reserve. You don't have an NFL future. What's the point? And we knew this was going to happen with some kids. But it's the first time. He hasn't opted out, but it's the first time that, really, technically, Ole Miss has had an opt-out. I don't know if he'll be the last either. I think somebody else could opt out. That's completely speculation on my part. But I could see that easily. If it were me, and I had questions about the safety protocols and playing these games and not getting a bigger cut of the pie because of it, not getting a bowl at the end of the year to where I could get some gifts, all that kind of stuff. And I knew that I wasn't going to be an NFL player. But maybe I've already dipped into the market to see, to gauge interest because of my contacts playing football for however many years. And I'm going to go into coaching. If I decided about a month from now, what am I doing this for? 
when I can go jump on a staff right now and get my career started, I think Ole Miss could have some opt-outs. Maybe one, maybe two, maybe none. But I could see it. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, you need to guard yourself or protect yourself from the potential of a hit. Because I think a lot of schools are going to deal with this. Because we don't know. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Also, the coaches poll came out on Thursday, which seems kind of an interesting thing to do considering we don't have a schedule Five of Ole Miss's opponents for the 2020 season are ranked inside the preseason coaches' top 25 poll. Three of the Rebels' opponents are ranked inside the top eight, five in the top 13, and one other received votes, and that's Mississippi State. Now, that could actually go up depending on who Ole Miss draws as its next two opponents. I was about to say, wouldn't I mean, wouldn't some sort of conventional wisdom tell you they'll probably add one more? Maybe not if it turns out to be the rotational things, across, like in terms of Tennessee and Kentucky, maybe not. But, uh, yeah, tough sledding as is. They might be better and still only win four games. Oh, uh, that's very possible. Like, I honestly, I don't even care how it looks. If they won four SEC games and went four and six in a 10-game conference schedule, you would have to argue. That team last year wouldn't have gone four and six in a 10-game conference schedule. No way. I think a 4-6 and six record in a 10-game conference schedule is a success. I would call that a W for Ole Miss in year one. Yeah. And and and, and odds are, if they do go 4-6, and six, just looking at the schedule and possibly what they're going to keep as home games, there's probably a game or two where you're going to be in and don't make enough plays, so it's not going to feel – I guess it's going to be feel like 4-6 and six with an opportunity to maybe even flip the numbers, if you see what I'm saying. So, like, I think they'd feel pretty good about that. They wouldn't tell you that, but I think they would. You're going to have to alter your expectations. Usually, a losing record, that's bad. Last year, 4-8 and eight was bad. But a part of those eight losses were Cal, 
were Memphis. Games that Ole Miss should have won. They were just games that they were in, and they were just so atrocious offensively. It was it's just painstaking the way they lost them. And uh, the one amendment I would make, I would just say throw out your expectations for this year. Uh, if you're going in with any at all, then that uh, to me that's a fool's proposition. I would just see how this year plays out, embrace the weirdness, and then regroup next year. Just be happy that you have football, that's what you're saying here? Yes. I mean, absolutely, dude. Just enjoy you have football. I mean, think about how terrible the last five months are have been. And if you get to the fall and you get to see Ole Miss, if you're an Ole Miss fan, play 10 football games uninterrupted, knock on wood, against conference opponents, and each one's not a snoozer, like you're not playing any, you know, walkover schools or whatever. Just enjoy it being out there because if that actually happens, that like that that would be absolutely best case scenario. I would say throw away all expectations and just enjoy them being on the field. Well, I was hoping as we recorded our portion of the podcast because we've got to get to Nick Suss now that the schedule would have been released, but it wasn't. Still out there. Maybe after I hit publish, it comes out. What's your number one? Granted, it's going to be weird. The season's going to be different. Expectations, all that stuff is completely altered. But what's your number one story that intrigues you about Ole Miss? And you're going to say the quarterback, but no. The one thing that most interests you about Ole Miss. Think of it from a broader perspective. I hate to do exactly what you're telling me not to do, but it's not necessarily the quarterback competition. It's how it's managed. Didn't we talk about decisiveness on Monday's show? Like, because last year they undercut both those kids with the way they just herky-jerky, no rhythm at all to it, just yanked them in and out of games without having a preseason at all. Like, I'm not just going to say who wins the quarterback job. I'm looking for the decisiveness of it. How long of a leash does the quote-unquote winner of the job get? Do they actually give the kids a chance to succeed instead of set them up for failure like they did last year? How decisive and how much faith they put in one, if not both of those guys, is going to be fascinating to watch to me. I know it's, it's, it's cliche to say the quarterback – well, what else can you bank on? You don't know anything else at this point. Because basically, if Ole Miss is successful with its quarterback this year under Lane Kiffin, if we're accepting that this season is just a punt to next year, regardless if you get 10 games or not, if they get a bowl, if this season is a punt, stands to reason if the quarterback position is the most important position on the field, which we all agree it is, then how Ole Miss performs at that position, with some question marks, despite two guys who have played in games, and proven themselves enough, if they have success for 10 games, consistent production from John Rice, from Matt Corral, that really is all that matters when you look ahead and start projecting for 2021. Which, in my opinion, should be, in essence, considered year one for Lane Kiffin. 100%. Unless he exceeds expectations and they go like 6-4, and four, then by all means, that's in his power to count it as year two. Of course. <laughs> that's, that's how it is. That's how you it gotta, is. I mean, if you, look, it's, it's honestly kind of the perfect situation, right? If you suck, yeah, whatever, weird year, pandemic, 10-game schedule, no practice on whatever. If you're 6-4, and four, by all means play the results. You deserve it. Here's the question, though. After the way you struggled to finish in recruiting, missing on everybody in February, and everybody was down in the dumps, you've done a good job in the transfer market, gotten Canadian dudes, and you got the Navy kid, got Otis Reese. If you don't finish well in this recruiting class, and you have a bad record, would Ole Miss fans be within reason then to have some concerns, to be a little worried? Can you really just chalk it all up to COVID? Yes and no. I would say more so on the recruiting front. If you're really that upset about what kind of product is on the field this year, barring just like a T-total, complete and utter atrocity, then I, I just I, I wouldn't really get behind that reasoning. But if they continue to struggle 
really badly in recruiting, then, you know, pandemic be damn sure. I would actually say that's grounds for some concern. What are you doing this weekend, man? I am in a wedding. A buddy of mine, um, a buddy of mine, like, had it's one of those COVID weddings. I'm technically in it. They're having, like, a little ceremony and a little, like, get together ish afterwards because they already had to push it back from, uh, from, uh, I guess I was into April. Obviously that was not happening. It's like small, very safe type of thing, but, uh, they just, they just didn't want to shove it back again, which I kind of understand. Do they listen to this podcast? Yes, actually they do. So shout out Jay. I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Happy uh, wedding. What do you say at a wedding? Congrats. Yeah. Congrats, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats to Jay. May your life be filled with marital bliss. Uh, if you wanted one piece of advice from someone who's been married for a long time now, 10 years. Hey, Ripley's got some advice, man. I mean, my God, your relationship, you're not married, but you've been in one for a while. Here's my bit of advice. And it's not one of those cliche things like, oh, she's always right. No, no, screw that. That's stupid. That's stupid. You're equals in this. My one bit of advice, no matter what happened during the day, kiss your wife before you go to bed. That's the only bit of advice. Even if you're pissed off, even if you can't stand the sight of her today, she might not can stand the sight of you today. More often than not, it'll be on her end. She'll be sick of you because you will probably be the asshole in the relationship. Okay? <laughs> so, my one bit of advice, no matter what, kiss your wife before you go to bed. That's it. End it on a good note. That's sound advice. My one piece of advice would be don't give me the microphone at your rehearsal dinner, but I don't have as much experience as you. I do, and I absolutely embarrassed myself at my twin brother's <laughs> <laughs> my twin brother's wedding. I was his best man because we're twins. And he, was his, he was the best man at my wedding. And, oh, my God. See, here's the thing. I, my entire life I've struggled with depression and anxiety. So when you struggle with depression, your brain is broken pretty much in terms of it's just going to continue to play the hits of all the things that embarrassed you in your life that you did that you just are ashamed of. And my brain loves to replay this memory over and over and over and go, Ben, you absolute moron. You piece of dog shit. Your twin brother's wedding reception. You were so convinced you had to give a best man speech. I was hammered. And I got up there and I started really rocky. It ended up in a good place. But the start, Rippy. The start was so bad. You remember in Wedding Crashers? when? The yes, dude... I've seen it a, a hundred times. That yeah. and the two hangovers were my favorite. I was about to drop a hangover reference and ask you if you went the uh, if, if you went the whole Allen and Hangover 2 or don't none of you know Stu like I do. For example, this is not Stu's first marriage. There's a stripper in Las Vegas. It, where was, he's probably... it was that on a smaller <laughs> scale. <laughs> Because effectively, I, I started, and anecdotally, it made sense in my drunken mind. My brother, I didn't like a couple of his past relationships. I had to step in with one because one girl was such a disaster. And I brought it up. I brought up those relationships because I was so happy that Stevie could finally be himself and had found someone who accepted him for who he was. But drunken Ben could not verbalize that in a constructive, in a good way. I mean, at one point early on in the speech, I remember this, even though I was hammered. Steve was like, all right, bud. All right. But then he got around to a Get to the last card, Alan. Yeah, he got to a pretty good spot. Oh, God. Oh, man. Kiss your wife before you go to bed every night. That's the only bit of advice I can give. But far be it for me to give you wedding advice, marriage advice. Marriage is stuff. You just got to hang in there. If you believe in it, you hang in there. So there you go, Jay. Welcome to the Talk of Champions podcast. We had nothing to talk about today, really. 
got Nick Suss coming up right now. We just made our way through it because, damn it, the SEC didn't release his schedule. Mazel tov. <laughs> oh, that's it for Rippy. Thanks, buddy. See you. Going out of the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger. Before we do, let's hear from Modern Woodman and BNA Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line. Friend of the program. Hadn't talked to him in a while. Hadn't seen him in a while. Because we've all been stuck at home. It's Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How are you? I've been using the words all things considered a lot recently. So all things considered, pretty good. What have you done constructively as you've dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic like the rest of us? Oh, constructively. I've been walking six, seven miles a day for about four months now. So that's, that's pretty exciting, I guess. Uh, I've hung stuff on my walls. It took two years of living in Oxford to get sick of looking at the same four walls. So now my apartment doesn't look like a boring, insane asylum. Uh, what else? I've uh, I've played a lot of Sudoku. I don't know if that's productive, but it definitely kills time. Uh, what else? What else? No, nothing. A, a lot of a lot of nothing. The walking's pretty impressive, though. Yeah, I've told this story before, but I got I got a little bit manic the first month of quarantine, and I walked a marathon indoors. I didn't leave my apartment, uh, and I don't live in a very big apartment, but I walked 26.2 miles of just pacing around my living room. And after I figured I can do that, I realized I can, I can walk and I can run at some pretty good endurance. So if anyone ever needs this tip, Jackson Avenue from the highway all the way to where it dead ends past the square is almost exactly four miles long. So if you need an eight mile walk, just walk up and down Jackson and you're good. I did take the plunge and bought a Peloton bike. Oh, nice. How's that going for you? It's good. I actually really enjoy it. it makes me get out even though I'm not out. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, like a dream. Yeah. I, I, uh, I envy that. And I have done a lot of TV watching. I rewatched The Wire. I ran through Shit's Creek. 
And now, CBS All Access, which comes complimentary if you subscribe to the Old Miss Spirit, OldMissSpirit.com with 247 Sports, has all, I think, from 11 to 30, whatever it is now, seasons of the challenge from MTV. So I've been like living my old high school and college days. Oh, I dig it. I dig it. My TV watching has been very overseas focused. I think I've watched nine or 10 different British sitcoms because I ran out of American ones. Uh, so I, I definitely got used to the accents a little bit and figured out uh, what the Brits have to offer in their classics and in their modern stuff. And then uh, this week I took the big plunge that I've been avoiding my entire life. I've seen every episode of Friends probably 12 or 13 times, but I've never once watched it in order. I just kind of watch the reruns whenever Ugh. they come on because it's literally always on television. But Ugh. this week I'm like, I have the box set. I might as well see what the hullabaloo is like of if it's better in order. And the answer is, I know what happens. I've watched a lot of British series. I love Broadchurch. you watch that? I have not gotten around to Broadchurch yet, no. Yeah, it's really good. That's the next great one. Great actors. Yeah. Phenomenal cast. Luther's great, too. So if anybody's looking for suggestions... You didn't tune into this edition of Talk of Champions to hear me and Nick talk about the things that uh, bore you, but then entertain us because we haven't seen each other in a while. He's my buddy, and I like to talk to him about this kind of stuff. So getting that out of the way, now that we know some big ticket items are being discussed in college football right now, what's the biggest storyline? For someone who's just getting inundated with all the news of college football, what would you say is the biggest thing they need to be paying attention to? Well, uh, there is a big question mark about if the season is going to happen as scheduled and there's a big schism happening between the power five conferences and the power structure of the NCAA. And we're heading into a season where it seems as if the power five conferences are going to dictate how college football works instead of how the NCAA dictating it. And all five of these conferences as of last night, when the big 12 finally made its announcement have decided how they are going to schedule their college football seasons and Nobody has the same plan as anyone else, and it seems as if there will be very little, if any, scheduling between Power Five conferences with one another until, at the very least, bowl season, if ever. It's going to be really interesting, and we are getting to a point where a lot of questions persist about how viable these plans are, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a few minutes. But right now, if you're just tuning in, if you spent the last four and a half months in a haze, as so many of us have, the dates to know are some conferences are looking to start as early as September 9th. The SEC is starting the latest of anyone on September 26th. Practices should be beginning sometime this week, depending on when you were originally supposed to start your schedule. So that could be any time between uh, today, I believe, and Sunday. Uh, it's going to be really fascinating. There's going to be a lot of questions about how safe this is for the players. There's going to be some questions about which players decide to play and if any do decide to sit out the season like we've seen in baseball and like we've seen in the NFL. And as we're seeing a little bit of the threats out West with the PAC 12 players threatening to sit out until their demands are met. It's a, it's a big mess right now, but I think they are slowly starting to structure the mess and whether that structure works out is the next frontier. There's a lot to unpack there and you bring up a lot of different ways in which we could take this conversation first. But I think the first place to start is with those demands of those Pac-12 players. What did you think about that? Because I have some very particular thoughts. What did you think when you read the demands and just overall players already using the leverage that they have that has been really cultivated during COVID-19? I was actually having a conversation. This must have been Friday or Saturday night where I was saying, I don't think 
anyone realizes the power college football players have yet. And I don't know if the players have figured it out yet. And then I wake up the next morning and the Pac-12 players have figured out exactly what I was thinking because there's no season if players don't show up. And as much as people say, well, there are D2 players who will take their spot and there are NAIA players who will take their spot. That's not exactly true right now. Sure, in two years is when you can transfer and all of this stuff. Maybe that's true. But right now, if the players say in August, we're not playing in September, these schools can't play. So I, I commend them for using their power to try and affect change in college football. And it seems as if the Pac-12 players have identified something that the Pac-12 schools probably should have identified a year ago, which is maybe the Pac-12 doesn't need the NCAA. And I don't know where I stand on that because I don't know what behind the scenes value the NCAA creates and how having this super organization that ties all the conferences together benefits college football and major college football. But I think the players make some very good points. And especially when you're in a pandemic that is such a threat to everyone in this country, the way it's spreading and the way that you can get almost anyone sick and not know it. I, I understand them wanting to take extra precaution and I commend them for taking extra precaution. And now it's just going to be a matter of is the PAC 12 and is the NCAA power structure willing to negotiate with them or are they going to shoo off these demands? And I think if there's one thing we've learned in these last few months of increased uh, protest and uh, social justice reform, I think they're going to have to listen. I think they're going to have to negotiate with a group of people that isn't even unionized. It was apparently a group text of 400 student athletes just trying to figure out what they wanted. And that sounds like a nightmare if you've ever been in a group text, but I mean, they're organized, they're mobilized, and it's going to be really, really fascinating to see what the fallout of this is. Well, I've said that this entire ordeal, the pandemic, has laid bare. These players, these football players, are the most important people on campus. They are the most important people. They can make those demands. That's capitalism, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've thought for years and years and years that there is a leverage problem in college football, and it's that the people who have it aren't using it. And it's very exciting to see these people use it. And if this ends up, quote-unquote, changing college football, if the landscape ends up becoming the Power Five conferences are separate from the rest of the FBS, or if it ends up being that only so many schools can afford to have top-tier college football, that's a bummer because I know there are people who love the way college football works, and there are fans who want to keep it the same because they just genuinely love college football and don't want to see something they love change. But if something stays the same at the detriment of the people who are involved in the process, then you're just harming your own product you love. And hopefully there are, people, there are enough people who will understand that all these players are trying to do is look out for their best interest. And that is not selfishness. That's just intelligence. Well, as far as players taking control of their situation, using their leverage, I think um, one thing that this has proven too is that we're heading or barreling towards the inevitable that the Power Five is going to separate from the NCAA, which you've touched on a little bit already. I think that's getting much closer than any of us anticipated, especially before the pandemic set in. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I've heard my entire life, you grew up in the South, I grew up in the South, the empty threat of people like, well, 
if college football becomes a version of the NFL, I'm going to stop watching and I'll watch whatever remains of college. And that's not true. People are going to watch their teams. People are going to keep rooting for Alabama and Ole Miss and Clemson, and Georgia and all these power schools. I mean, you're going to root for your school, but I don't know. It, I don't think it happens this year because there's nothing that can happen this year other than the conferences playing themselves, it seems. But we are going to move down the line of if the playoff remains at four, it's probably going to get to a point where you realize there are about 64 teams in the power five right now. You try and break that into four conferences of 16. You have four conference champions and the four conference champions are automatic bids into the playoff of four teams. It, it seems too easy to not do it that way, but we will see what happens. There's going to be some blowback from some schools in the group of five. There are going to be some blowback from basketball schools that uh, would prefer to see the NCAA not fracture it's going to be a, an unknown frontier but I, I do think that like you said this pandemic has accelerated the talks about how the paradigm shifts in college athletics are going to have to happen and also you see momo sonogo speaking out it was a call leaked from the sec player leadership council with the sec voicing concerns with medical experts about protecting the players that gets leaked to the washington post and um you see a bunch of stories written about that, and that kind of plays into this as well. But what did you think about Momo's concerns? And and I've seen a little bit online, be it in the Ole Miss online message board community or on Twitter, some people taking a little bit of uh, issue with things Momo said. I, I really don't see the issue there. I can understand the concerns of the players are the ones having to assume the risk, but what did you think about it? I've gotten to talk to Momo quite a few times during this pandemic because of all he was doing with protests around Oxford. And I went to his protests and I called him up before and asked her and I, I talked to him about all the activism he's gotten into this summer. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that he was vocal on that call and he was the player that chose not to be anonymous. I, I think that a lot of this has been put on Momo because so many other players didn't identify themselves or were not able to identify themselves. It is not a surprise to me that he came out and said what he said and it's not a surprise to me that he identified himself proudly and wants to be known that he is thinking for everyone. I personally didn't have a problem with what he said, but I'm somebody who has erred on the side of caution during this entire pandemic. So I just know there are going to be some of your listeners and some of the general populace at large that disagree with the precautions I've taken and that disagree with some of the precautions that these players want to be taken. I, I hate that something as scientific as a virus has become this hot button political object, uh, a topic of what side are you on? Nobody's on the side of the virus. We all want this to go away. And I, I agree with a lot of the points he made. Um, I think players need to be safer and they need to know what's in front of them. And if medical personnel are telling them, Hey, people are probably going to get this. That raises questions about why are we doing it? And I understand his concern. I understand that fear. I think that's a valid concern. Uh, whether or not you want to argue about the validity of it, you, you can, but I wish we didn't have to. I wish we didn't have to either. I wish we could actually just listen to what the kid is saying and understand that his concern comes from a place of he's living in it every single day. I don't like the dismissive nature of players need to shut up and play, that they get to play a game, yeah. that they're, they're getting all these different benefits that normal students don't get. First of all, like I said, they've already earned those benefits because they worked hard, they put in the work, 
they did it. They got to this place. So, of course, they have the ability to ask for things that other kids don't get to ask for. But it's even more than that. When you dismiss them as, oh, they're just players, they wouldn't otherwise get these opportunities if not for being good at football. Momo Sanogo been on the leadership council since he's been at Ole Miss. He's been on the academic honor roll twice and is a banking and finance major. This kid could go like any other normal student and enroll pretty much anywhere. So when you paint with a broad brush like that and just say all football players are dumb jocks and they need to shut up and play, it's just corrosive to the entire discussion rather than just listening to what the kid has to say because he's the one that's got to live in it and he's got he's the one that's got to take on the risk. You don't have to. And we can argue about the response and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. The bottom line is if you want sports, if you want football, then you need to take the player's concerns into account and you need to understand that they're not going to play and they shouldn't play unless they feel safe and they're the ones that matter. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there is a certain level of irony to how we as sports fans, which I still count myself among, and I think on certain days you count yourself among, um, I think we as sports fans have spent years and years and years talking about how much we want our teams to have leaders and leadership and how important that locker room presence is and guys who can rally their team and can speak for their team. And the second somebody's showing a true moment of leadership, and this isn't just with Momo, we can extend this to Kylan Hill a couple of weeks ago, and we can extend this to Chuba Hubbard and some other people who have spoken for their team, Marvin Wilson of Florida State, people who have come out and said, I am a mouthpiece for my team and we need things to be different. It's immediately dismissed. This is what leadership looks like. Maybe it's not the new Rockney metaphor that we're thinking about from win one for the Gipper or any of this stuff, but it's. I mean, this is leadership. This is a football player saying, I have genuine concern for myself, for my teammates, and for the program I represent. How can we make it better? And yes, they do have the option to opt out, but they don't want to opt out. That's the point. They want to play, and that's what you want them to want to do, right? You want them to want to play. Well, if they want to play, why can their concerns not just be listened to and answered for rather than say, hey, be an example, go put on mask in your class and separate and all this kind of stuff. Look, those classes are going to be socially distanced, and that's good. But if you really wanted to protect the players and appease some of those concerns, grant them the privilege that they've earned at the expense of other students if you have to. Put them all online. Protect them from themselves. They want to play. And you as a fan want them to play. Okay, well then put the measures in place rather than just demonizing the players. I don't understand how we got to this point. And I've said this before. Nothing turns capitalists into socialists like paying players and giving players what they've earned. Yeah, and this is going to get more into hypothetical conspiratorial side. But like... If we'd had these conversations, what was it, seven, six, seven years ago when Kane Coulter tried to unionize the Northwestern and when all of that stuff happened, if these conversations had worked then and college football players had a union and players were getting NIL compensation and we'd kind of accelerated it back then, I think it would be so much more viable for college football to put conferences in a bubble right now. Because if players were unionized and if they were getting NIL compensation and they were set off as different than the rest of the student body back then, it'd be much easier for the SEC to say, okay, let's collective bargain with the representatives from this conference's union. Let's see what it takes to get players in a bubble and let's replicate what's working in the NBA and the NHL, partially in the MLS and major league lacrosse. And there are a lot of bubbles right now and they seem to be the only proven way to contain this to keep it out of sports instead college football is having to work with a model similar to what the mlb is doing and we've seen with the miami marlins and the st louis cardinals and briefly with the philadelphia phillies 
how bad that's working and how many games are going to end up being canceled or postponed or affected or forced seven inning double headers instead of playing nine inning games in full. It's going to be a little like that in college football. And I know the SEC deliberately chose to start a season later than everybody else to see how everybody else works out and to give time for these spikes to kind of wear themselves out after students return to campus. And I get all of that. But I can't help but wonder if college football had reached the point where it was closer to unionization and closer to compensation, if we could have gotten these bubbles that seem to be working. Going to get right back to Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. Does Ole Miss open at LSU? Against Alabama, Mississippi State, what do you think? I, if I'm reading the tarot cards, I think we're opening with the Egg Bowl. I think that's what people will see, and I think that's what the media is going to see. I, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff, so give me that blanket to be wrong. But just based off of the way that it makes the most sense that Mississippi right now is experiencing a pretty significant spike and these two schools are very close to one another and it makes sense to start your season as close as possible so you can contain the virus better. I I believe that it would make the most sense for either Ole Miss and Mississippi State to start against each other or Mississippi State and Alabama to start against each other uh, because of the proximity of those two schools. It's possible that it could be the LSU game. I would also not be surprised if the LSU game were the last game of the season uh, instead of the first. Um, I think we've all seen proposals and we've all heard rumors, but right now if I had to guess just based off of the way the Pac-12 has USC and UCLA starting against one another and the way some of these other conferences have kind of leaned towards making your proximal games at the beginning and then slowly spreading outward as the season begins, and also guaranteeing that you get your marquee rivalries if something goes wrong with the season, I think it makes the most sense to open with the Egg Bowl. When do we get an announcement on the schedule, do you think? It should be sometime this week. I would be a little surprised if it was any later than Friday afternoon. Uh, I think that the SEC has been smart about making all of its announcements in the 3.30 in the afternoon range. So definitely keep your eyes open between the 3 and 4 o'clock hour for reports breaking and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to come this week, and I think it's going to be 
exciting for fans to think, oh, we never get to play Kentucky or, oh, they never get to play uh, Tennessee or, well, oh man, Missouri two years in a row. What does that mean? I, I think that's going to be a fun wrinkle to this season, but I think it's going to be a fascinating wrinkle to, to see how a team like Ole Miss can handle 10 SEC games in its first season with a new regime. Do you think we get bowls? I think there will be substantially fewer bowls than normal, but there will be bowl games. I think we might get back to the old school model that some of the more aged fans might be able to recall of when there were only a dozen or so bowl games as opposed to the, what were there last year, 44, something like that. Too many. Um, So I think that the yardsticks might move for how many bowls happen. But I would be surprised if, if there is a college football season, I would be surprised if there wasn't a Rose Bowl or a Sugar Bowl or, or some of these marquee games. If these conference-only schedules actually work, do you think there's a chance they could stick and the end of the cupcakes is upon us here? I think there's a chance, but I don't think it's particularly likely just because that is effectively sentencing mid-level college football to death. And as long as the NCAA continues to have mid-level college football and until the Power Five fractures off, like we talked about earlier, I think that the league or the conference or the association, whatever you want to call the NCAA, is smart enough to know that these guarantee games are the only exposure these smaller school gets and they are the economic lifeblood for some of these athletics departments. So... I don't think it'll be a death knell, but I, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised to see the SEC move toward a nine-game schedule a little sooner. I don't think we're going to see a 10, 11, 12-game schedule anytime soon, though. My whole deal with it is, uh, after this pandemic, a lot of these schools are going to be cash-strapped. Ole Miss is already cash-strapped. If they can avoid paying yeah. these schools to come play them, they're going to do that. That's why you've seen Ole Miss schedule a home-and-home home with Charlotte, because they don't have to pay them. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting, because the big paydays are actually the group of five games. They're, they're not so much the, the FCS games. Yeah, I, I yeah. have the contracts for this year's game. And I think they owed Southeastern Missouri, something like $450,000. Yeah. But for, for Ole Miss, game. that's no drop in the bucket right now. No, no, that's no drop in the bucket, but they were going to pay $1.5 million to middle Tennessee state this year. And they weren't going to play middle Tennessee state. Mm-hmm. So the, <laughs> There are some contract things that when you're saving a mil and a half for that game, or I'm trying to remember what the value for the Georgia Southern game was, I think it was about 1.3. Uh, there, are, there are some huge, huge values. Auburn was supposed to play Southern Miss, I think, 1.9 this year. Uh, there are some big, big paydays for these group of five schools. And uh, the group of five is almost going to be worse off if the power five doesn't play those than they would be if the power five fractures off and doesn't allow them to compete for championships. All right. Other storylines that you're paying attention to right now. Um, in college football, I, I think that the biggest storyline is what happens if there is an outbreak on a team, because I haven't been able to get a straight answer. Cause I don't think anybody has a straight answer. Well, what, what do you do? How can you say that this team can do anything for 14 days? 
and the SEC built in two bye weeks, one before the SEC championship and one somewhere in the middle of the season that might not line up with someone else's bye week. How do you play Django with a schedule if a team has an outbreak? And do you have to make it so all of your position groups are separated from one another in practice and all of your backups are separated from your starters? How, how do you handle this? I, there is, we, we spend so much time talking about how do you stop the virus from getting in? And I think that most colleges have done a pretty darn good job of setting guidelines. Whether or not those guidelines are being followed is a very different discussion. But what if it does get in? And what if a team like Ole Miss has an outbreak in the secondary, for example? Uh, Does that mean all of your DBs and all of your wide receivers and all of your DB coaches and all of your GAs and wide receivers all have to be quarantined for 14 days? Does that mean you're moving players to positions they don't naturally play to try and fit a game against Arkansas in? Or or does that mean your team is inoperable? I, I don't know what's going to happen when it talks to managing spikes in season, because I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might've been Joey Bosa, but one player in the NFL recently said the team that succeeds the best in staying away from the virus is going to be the team that wins it all this year. And that might end up being the case in the SEC too, because I know there are teams that are significantly deeper than Ole Miss and there are teams that are thinner than Ole Miss. But if you lose all seven of your linebackers to COVID, depth didn't matter. So it's going to be a matter of how do these teams avoid it and what happens if they don't. I will say I think Ole Miss has done a really good job with its safety protocols and its measures in place. I think they've done a good job with all of it. Agreed. I I think they've done about as well as anybody could have, given uh, given the fact that there was no possible way of knowing how to do this until about four months ago. The fact that they came up with these plans on the fly and they seem to have worked is definitely a net positive. I will say that the Gator masks, though, are not going to work. They can't play in them. I don't think so. So you think we get a full season in? It's about starting and finishing more than anything else. I can almost guarantee the season will start. I'm still not guaranteeing that baseball is going to finish. I'm still not guaranteeing that the NFL is going to finish. And since college football is so much more decentralized than some of those sports, it's really, really hard to guarantee that there's going to be a full season. What's but capacity they'll be like? darned if they don't try. I think it'll probably be somewhere around a third, maybe 25%. I can understand going up to 50, but I also don't know if there are going to be 50% of people that want to take the risk. I know there are a lot of people in this state and in this region who don't view it as a risk. And those people will happily go unless maybe there's a mask mandate for stadiums and they don't want to sit in the Mississippi fall heat with a mask on for four hours and be socially distanced from the people they went to the game with. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I think there's going to be a nice mix of regulations from the state capital of how many people can be in the stadium and self-imposed regulations from families making decisions of if we can watch this game from the comfort of our own home, is it worth it to go attend the game in person? And if there's no tailgate atmosphere or if the Grove is severely limited or if any of that happens, that's only going to hurt the number of actual attendants more. Because we can talk about the number of allowed attendants all we want, but 
the question is going to have to come down to do people find it safe to go to these games? And I, I think these next couple of weeks are going to be very fascinating in Mississippi because we are experiencing a massive, massive surge in positive test rate as of last week. I haven't looked at the numbers this week, but let's see what happens if that surge in positive test rate uh, leads to the hospitals overflowing a little bit more, or if that leads to a spike in deaths, unfortunately, or if any of that happens, because if Mississippi is surging right as football season's about to start, are there going to be people that think, okay, maybe, maybe watching on TV is better. What are you working on right now? Uh, sanity. And I think I've done a pretty good job of maintaining it. So I'm going to keep working on my, my sanity and I'm going to keep working on interacting with the people I care about as much as I can. And uh, that includes you, Ben. So I'm glad that we were able to do this today. I'm glad we were able to do it too. Hang in there. He's Nick Suss. He writes for the Jackson Clary and Ledger covering Ole Miss. I'll see you in the next Zoom call. I guess that's the only kind of interaction we're going to get at this point forward. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be one this week. But ah. they haven't announced it, so maybe maybe oh, I'm wrong. Oh, well. It's going to be Zoom calls, buddy. Otherwise, hang in there and uh, let's stay in touch. Yeah, I, uh, I will keep growing my beard so you can marvel at it next time you see it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc